CBuzz is sponsored by AWH, builders of exceptional digital products for the web and mobile that drive business for select growth companies. With over 4,500 applications developed and 10 million users enjoying AWH applications, they are focused on solving problems and improving lives through better software applications. To find out more about AWH, check out awh.net. Hello and welcome to CBuzz, a collaboration between the Columbus Chamber, CD1025, and the Columbus Dispatch. This is the show where we bring you the best stories from Columbus business owners. I'm Dan Swartout, your host, and today we are talking with Ryan Frederick, the principal at AWH. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here on CBuzz. We are so thrilled to have you on our show. Thanks for having me, appreciate it. Ryan, tell us a little bit about AWH, what it is, what it does. We're a custom software development firm, so we build software products for clients, mostly on the web and mobile these days. Uh, we've been around for a long time, 21 years, so we've built lots of stuff for lots of clients over the over that period of time. Um, and it's, uh, it's an ever-changing sort of landscape around sure. building software products. So it's you know it's it's always new, and there's new technology, and there's new ways to approach building products, new devices to to build and distribute products on. So an interesting business, and we work with clients all the way from startups to to enterprise companies, um, and uh, it's. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting business. So you could be working with a client as far as setting up programming for their website, the app for your iPhone, things like that. And they come to you saying, we've got an idea for what we want to do. We don't necessarily know how to implement it. And that's where AWH comes in. Yeah, exactly. Um, and in, in the case of, of, and it sort of varies a little bit by type of company and uh -huh. size of company. So if we're working with a startup, oftentimes it is a blank slate kind of thing, right? Where they've identified a problem, they're now looking to put a solution in place and they need a partner to help them put that solution in place and develop that product, mm -hmm. right? And to align it with where's where's the business and to not overbuild too soon right and to you know not invest over invest in the mm -hmm, product before mm -hmm. it makes sense for them to do that and as you go up market with clients it often becomes you know different ultimately people no one needs more software right? right we don't need more we don't need more things on the web we don't need more apps on phones fundamentally right right so it really except for pokemon go which is a big big thing as we're recording this right now right except for pokemon go right <laughs> apparently we cannot live how have we existed frankly without it right i mean this we, we're whole yeah a, it's finally made us complete the human experience is complete it can end now and we'd all be good um it's as, as you deal with larger companies, uh -huh. it, it's really the same thing of, of solving a problem, right? They, they have, there's a problem around inefficiency mm -hmm. or data not getting to the right people at the right time or being able to make decisions on, the, on data. Um, so there's, almost, there's always a problem that a new software application or product is trying to solve and trying to address. So that's sort of the commonality across all of our engagements and all of our clients, regardless of size or scope of project or company, there's a problem to be solved with a new piece of software. Now, in addition to AWH, you are involved heavily 
in the entrepreneurial community here in Central Ohio. You've got some other ventures that you're involved in, organizations that you're involved in, and all of them seem to be focused on entrepreneurship, you know, helping startups, helping entrepreneurs, and then it's all tied back in with AWH as well. Could you tell us a little bit about all these side organizations that you're involved in, how it works together with AWH, and 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 your interest in entrepreneurship in general? Yeah, it, it's. Um, I'll try to make sense of it uh, because sometimes I even question, you know, uh, why why am why am I involved in these fifteen you know, initiatives? <laughs> um, so I wake up in cold sweats and I'm like, God, I should stop doing something. <laughs> Um, You're just waiting for 16 now. Exactly, right, exactly. I'm just waiting for one more. Um, for, for me, ultimately, it's really about it, 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 it providing value, right? Uh-huh. I, think if you pro- I think if you help others and you provide value to, to others and the community at large, that that is a positive force that ultimately you end up getting what you want. So I don't want to get too metaphysical about it, right? But I think fundamentally, if you provide enough value to others, you're going to get commensurate value back, right? And you so kind of what you're saying is the love you take is equal to the love you make, to paraphrase Paul McCartney, in the entrepreneurial sense. Um, it, 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 yes, I'm not sure that I want to bring lovemaking into the <laughs> equation because uh, I, I, if my wife listens to this podcast, I may, she, may, she may kill all of the initiatives that I'm involved in. And this, this, But you'd still be waking up in a cold sweat. I'd still be waking up in a cold sweat for a different reason, though, uh, on the couch um, or in the garage. Uh, Yes, it, you know, I think that, 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 so I have just the fundamental belief, right, that if you, I think if you have the ability to share your experiences and some of the things that you've learned and some expertise that you've developed over time, I personally believe that I think you have an obligation to to, to do that. Right? Uh-huh. So most of the initiatives that I get involved in and that we get involved in as a firm are really to say, I, we have done some stuff, we've been around the block, we, 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 we know in some circumstances the right way to go about something and, and maybe the wrong way to go about something because we've made them, those mistakes. We've made those mistakes as individuals, we've made it as a company. And so um, involved in a number of things, Startup Grind is one of them. Right. So Startup Grind is a global community, really, that um, has 200 chapters around the world. So I happened to, to, to run the Columbus chapter. Mm-hmm. And it, I joined Startup Grind two and a half years ago, about, um, and um, have done an event every, every month since. And it is what attracted me to it, it are the values. Right. Um, so the values of Startup Grind are give more than you take, make friends, not connections. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's a community where we have a fireside chat once a month. And I interview an entrepreneur or an investor, and we talk about their experiences so that they can educate and inspire and inform the people that come that are thinking about taking an entrepreneurial journey. Most of the people that come to a startup grind event are coming because they're interested in learning from those that have done it, who are doing it, and have succeeded in, in some way and to some degree with right. it. Um, so it's a fabulous initiative. I love being part of the community. I love the values. And it's um, it's been very rewarding for me to be to be a part of it. And I've met some really cool, interesting people because 
as you doing this and doing the Cbuzz podcast, right? It, when when I do a startup grind event and I get to grab mics with somebody for an hour, absolutely, it's, it, I, I get to know that person. I get to understand what makes them tick, and and I, it, I become better and more knowledgeable as a result too from having that conversation with them for an hour. Absolutely, I think that's to me being this host of this show has been truly rewarding because we've interviewed so many people about their journeys and their experiences and not only do i feel like we're, we're sending out some really cool stories to the listeners but i feel like after every show i've been educated myself and uh you know i, I know a little bit more about business and entrepreneurship but i also know a little bit more about what makes people tick because you've got entrepreneurs who are coming at it from all different sides and all different businesses. All of them have their own reasons for wanting to be their own bosses, to be entrepreneurs. And it's just a fascinating insight into people talking to entrepreneurs. Absolutely, and it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to want to start a company yes. and to build and grow a company. And we would we would like it to be formulaic and we'd like it there to be an obvious blueprint to follow. So many different journeys. Right, but that's not the reality of no. it, right? The reality is that in a founder or a founding team brings their experiences, their personality, their vulnerabilities, their weaknesses, you know, into the journey. And so the ability to have an interview and a conversation with somebody that's gone through it and for them to share their experiences. And, and often I find myself doing the startup grind interviews and wanting to focus more on the personal journey yes. and, and almost the negative side of the journey Absolutely. than the positive side. Because the positive side is what most people can go and do a search and find out about the company or the person. You read the company bio on their webpage or you know some personality profile online or something like that absolutely yeah and and so you can you can find out the you can find out the happy stuff right yes you know they raised 15 million and their team has grown from 20 people to 100 people in a year all well and good right i, I want to talk about the struggle yes. i want to talk about when have you thought about quitting sure why did you think why didn't you right what got you through it what do you what do you have anxiety about right because through that journey of starting and growing a company, if success doesn't equal less anxiety, less stress, less problems, they're just different, right? And right. in some cases, they're they're more catastrophic as the company gets bigger. Where if you make a a a wrong decision or you turn left when you should have turned right, right? There are more consequences because now there are more people involved. Oh yeah. Right. There are more customers involved. Families right? of the people involved. Absolutely. Right. This is, this is, is it, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate it, but this is serious business, Absolutely. right? There are people's lives and livelihoods on the line. Mortgage right? payments. Right. Mortgage payments, car payments, Absolutely. right? Kids going to school, Absolutely. right? All that sort of stuff. Right. So, um, I tend, I like to talk about the human experience and, and journey and struggle through being an entrepreneur, trying to start and build a company. That I think is fascinating, and I also think it's interesting for people that come because it's not talked about very often, right? right? Because the big media, right, is not going to talk about depression of 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 entrepreneurs right and how they've gotten through it right and and those kinds of things so i tend to, to want to take a little bit of a a a human 
struggle negative perspective with it, which most of the speakers are, are up for and it's been really good. Right. One of the things I've found out about hosting this show is that the entrepreneurial community in Columbus is very collaborative. I've found that the entrepreneurs we've had on our show, um, the six, you know, they've all been very successful and they've all recognized their own weaknesses and i think one of the most one of the most interesting things i've learned hosting this show is to be a successful entrepreneur you have to recognize your own weaknesses and fill your team with people who are strong at what maybe you're not as strong at I, I absolutely i think a, a key to being a su- successful entrepreneur and founder is self-awareness yes right you you have to understand why you think the way you think why you react the way that you do what you're good at what you're not good at what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy because you can be good at something but if you fundamentally don't enjoy doing it you're going to gravitate away from not doing it absolutely right so i think self-awareness is critical to being a successful entrepreneur and I think then put, putting a team around you that you are consciously aware, right, are filling in your vulnerabilities and your flaws um, it is what ultimately makes it makes a good team and then begins to build that culture that you right. want, right, as part of the team and as part of the company. Well, Ryan, let's talk a little bit about your vulnerabilities and flaws right now. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> do, we, do, we, do we have like three hours? I mean, is lunch going to be served? People don't know what time we're recording this, but it's, you know, it's like mid-morning, so, you know, I'm going to get hungry through this process. Tell us a little bit, give us a little bit of background on yourself. You grew up in uh, upstate New York. You came to Central Ohio in 1985. Just tell us a little bit about your background, why you came to Central Ohio, and when you first realized that you had the entrepreneurial spirit and wanted to be a business owner principal, you know, what led you, what take us on that journey? Yeah, I was a typical small town kid growing up in a small town in upstate New York near Albany. Uh Um, and was, but you know, maybe I think also typical, but I don't know. But you know, as I was growing up there and it was a great place to grow up and I had a great childhood, you know, et cetera. I I don't have any childhood mommy, daddy issues. Uh Um, you know, maybe I wish I did so I could use that as a, as a, as a crutch in some way for some of my vulnerabilities. Um, the, uh, um, but but I knew I wanted to I wanted to go somewhere else right, right. And, and I didn't know what right so the only advice that my parents ever gave me about sort of career was get into computers right so this is the early 80s now when I'm in high school you had a Commodore VIC 20 right it, you're it, playing states and capitals on cassette tape yeah I had one of those little desktop Miss Pac-Man mini arcade things that I wanted I, one of those so bad that I just wore the hell out of the joysticks right <laughs> till, it, till it didn't work anymore um, and so they said, get into computers. So I thought, well, I don't have a better idea than that. Right. So that sounds good. Uh, I was a terrible student. I was always one of those students that would get the, you know, record, report card that said, you know, not living up to potential, you know, doesn't focus, you know, et cetera. Um, and so I wasn't, so I wasn't going to get into any fancy college. Right. Mm-hmm. So a guy, a recruiter from DeVry Institute of Technology, which has a campus and a location, it's an overstatement to call it a campus, sorry, DeVry, it's a building. Um, 
And, and, it's and over on the east side, off seventy. Over off of seventy. Yeah. Right. Yes. I left. A, I, I left a, a a an old GMC truck that I paid two hundred dollars for, abandoned on the on the side of seventy east one time, going to school at DeVry. <laughs> um, I I hope it is not still in the impound lot incurring fees, or I'm going to be broke. Um, and uh, that's a different grind. That's right. right exactly. Uh, and and so this recruiter from DeVry came. I didn't have any other op. I had, I didn't have any other better options. I didn't perceive at the time. So I said, I'm going to take this guy up on his offer. I'm going to move to Columbus. I'm going to go to DeVry. Um, started going to DeVry. So studied computer science. Um, first real job was at CompuServe. So you know, then I thought, I oh geez, I'm I've made it right. And and a lot of people my age and that were entering into their careers started at CompuServe or went through CompuServe. People forget just uh, how big CompuServe was at one time in uh, in our culture. In our in, in the in the world of the internet. Absolutely. CompuServe was the leader and primary player of getting people online. Absolutely. And then AOL came and sort of ate our launch. But because you had CompuServe, Prodigy, and AOL, and yep. CompuServe, I mean, a lot of it right here, Central Ohio. I mean, it, Central Ohio has always been a huge technology center that people don't always necessarily recognize. Absolutely. I run into people all the time. I was talking with somebody yesterday who also worked at CompuServe, and he mentioned that. I was like, well, I was there too. And, and so um, lots and lots of people went through CompuServe. Um, but I also realized when I was there that I wasn't a big company person. Um, I just didn't, I didn't like being a number, right? I didn't like, I wanted to, and I have no idea why, um, I need to go through some therapy or, therapy or counseling or something <laughs> because this, you know, um, but I, I wanted to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Uh -huh. Now that could be part of my small town rural upbringing, right? Um, who knows? Um, but I left there and I, and, and I joined a startup. That was it, the company still running today, and and it was a company that was funded by the most bizarre, I I, I still think, uh, investment between the Ohio State Bar Association uh -huh. and some investors from Wichita, Kansas. No kidding. And and so in in the that'd be an interesting backstory. Yeah. So I I I don't know how they came together to invest in this business, but they did. I joined the team. I was the third or fourth person in to the company. I led sales and you know was there for eight years i think and and we had a we had a, we had a good run it worked um we were successful the company's still around um and then and, and so that's when it sort of confirmed for me that i liked the process and being part of a team building and, and growing a company and so then went from there so i've been a part of of uh, about a half a dozen companies over time starting them growing them and being part of the team that, that leads them what was uh, what were those first few weeks and months like when you had gone from a corporate culture to a startup culture? I mean, what what were your thoughts like, and what were some of the initial lessons that you learned being a part of that startup culture for the very first time? I just remember being uh, I just remember being ecstatic with the autonomy, yeah, and the freedom and the responsibility that if we were going to make it, and if we, and and since I was in charge of sales, if we were going to sell our, our product, right, that it was on me, uh -huh. right, and so I liked that pressure, I liked that challenge. I I what I didn't like about 
being in a bigger company was was that my contribution w- was muted right because you're part of you're part of this big you're part of this big engine right, right? i i wanted that sort of challenge and pressure of if 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 i don't do it and i don't make it happen we're not going to succeed and and although failing fast has sort of become a mantra in the startup space which i don't like i mean mm-hmm. n- no one's intention should be to fail right right now if if it's hey we're, we're going to try something and if it doesn't work then we're going to try something else and then we're going to try something else a- until we figure it out but i think having the intent of failing and failing fast i think is misguided right um but i like that i like that challenge and i like that pressure this is interesting to me as as the companies you've been with have grown and obviously as an entrepreneur you want to see your company grow how do you keep your company that's growing from having that company feel that you came from to having that challenge and pressure that same feeling that same culture you had as a young startup how do you keep that culture alive as a company grows I think that you I think it's an it, it has to be intent yeah. right you have to be intentional about it because if you're not you end up and, and you're naturally as a company grows you're naturally going to have more policies and procedures and hierarchy right right it's unavoidable you can't get to 50 employees or 100 employees and now not have policies procedures and hierarchy right you can you can still try to remain flat but you're still ultimately going to end up with some hierarchy that you haven't had when you were five people or uh-huh. 15 people. So it's, it, th- there are some things that are unavoidable to, to be a good operator of a business and for the business to, to achieve its objectives. But I think if you start, if you have the intent from the beginning to say that we're always going to challenge ourselves, uh-huh. right? We're never going to, we're never going to accept that what we're doing and how we're operating is, is good enough. I think it's, it's a real challenge that I think the best company leaders and, and entrepreneurs who then become really good CEOs and really good sort of executives and managers live in a perpetual state of dissatisfaction, mm. right? And which is, which is, is a delicate balance, right? Because that can become damaging, right? It, it could be harsh. If you're an employee and you see your boss is always dissatisfied, that can be, everybody wants some sort of recognition and reassurance that they're doing a good job. Absolutely. So I think it, it, it has to be managed dissatisfaction, uh-huh. right? Where it's, you're looking at the business and you're, and, and, you're, and you're saying, how do we get better? How do we improve? Well, how do we challenge ourselves? How do we not accept that what we've been doing is what we're going to continue to do, right? So you have, I think you have to be willing to sort of cannibalize the business to a great degree. Um, but, and you want that challenge and that culture and that message to sort of permeate the organization without it being onerous and right and without it have, without it being a negative cloud. It should be a positive cloud, right? right? It should be. Th- th- we don't accept that that the way that we we've been operating is the way that we're going to operate a year from now or two years from now. We're gonna we're can it's it's going to be continual sort of evolving and and progress. You came here in 1985. You start with CompuServe after yeah. DeVry. I, I like how you keep repeating that I, I, I came here in 85 to go to school. That's, so, one, of my, that's so, one of my favorite years. So people could do some math and realize that 
and then those that have seen the, the promo pictures will see the gray hair. Well, if I said you came here to work for CopyServe in 2006, people wouldn't buy it at all. <laughs> true enough. True enough. Um, you came here in an undetermined year to uh, go to DeVry, CompuServe, startup. Obviously, you've moved on to some different businesses since then. What through all this entire time, we're talking now, and this is kind of the point of why I emphasize 1985. Oh, we're talking 31 years here in Central Ohio as a business person. What has kept you specifically in Central Ohio that whole time? Because somebody of your talent, your skill, I'm sure there's lots of places you could go. I love Columbus. Yes. It, it is it is one of those um I don't want to get too I don't want to get too sappy about it. Um but as a as a small town kid from upstate New York, I knew I wanted to to go somewhere. Columbus seemed like a big city to me when I moved here in 85 cuz I grew up in a ver in, in a pretty small town, mm -hmm. right? And so it, it the, the Columbus had had everything that that I sort of envisioned, right? Being that small, that kid in that small town. Um, so when I moved here, I sort of embraced the fact that wow, this is where I'm going to sort of make it. Yeah. Right? And then when you get that sort of mindset and that perspective, right? It, it's very hard for that to be taken away from you, right? So I've traveled a lot of places. I've been fortunate to go to a lot of places, and th there. Okay, maybe San Diego because of the weather. But outside, nice. of, outside of that, there honestly isn't any place I'd rather live than Columbus. And not for any one particular reason other than this is where I've built my life. Yeah. Right? This is where I sort of went from being that kid in that small town in upstate New York to being um, to have some level of capability, some level of expertise, right? And, and part of that is the opportunities that I've been given here, right? And that I had access to, right? CompuServe being here mm -hmm. and then other abilities to join companies and to start companies and to be part of, of teams doing interesting, cool things, right? Right. And what would you tell somebody who's listening to this show right now? Maybe they're in a small town just like you were. In 1984 and 85, maybe they're just like you were thinking. Let's just hammer that home. <laughs> Let's just beat it to death that Ryan is like 90 years old. Thinking about, thinking about places to go, thinking about places where they can make it like you made it. What would you tell them about Columbus to say, hey, it's now 2016, you should come here. What would you say to, to somebody like that who was in your position at the time? Yeah, I would say one of the things that, that I, when I was that small, that kid in that small town in upstate New York and I, was, and I was coming to Columbus, I thought I knew a lot about a lot. I didn't know anything about anything. Mm -hmm. Was and and so when that reality hits, it's kind of sobering, and you real and you realize, I've made you know I've made a lot of mistakes and and, but I think Columbus is a place because, the community comes together as you've talked yes. about before. Very collaborative, very supportive, and and I think there are many opportunities here, across the spectrum of career. Um, type of company, size of company, industry. I mean, one of the reasons that we financially have done relatively well over the last two decades or mm -hmm. so and have have done better than some communities during some of the, the troubled economic times, I think is because of the diversity of, of our economic 
um, drivers and industries. Absolutely. Right. We have retail, we have insurance, we have banking, we have manufacturing, we have tech, we have tech, right? We have agriculture, right? So we're not dependent upon any one industry, which I think gives us the ability to, to weather, weather econo- larger economic storms that impact other communities. And um, it's, I think that's important ultimately, because that means things are relatively stable, relatively healthy economically and otherwise from a community perspective. So um, I think that's a big part of it, right? I think our economic diversity is is a key to why we've been successful and why we're growing. And I think it will be moving forward. Continue to grow. Uh, Ryan, Frederick, AWH, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I think we barely scratched the surface. I would love to have you back on the show to talk with you again. In the interim, please uh, let our listeners know how they can find you online, Twitter, LinkedIn, web pages, whatever, and also how they can uh, get in contact with Startup Grind, not just here in central Ohio, but all over one of those 200 chapters. Yeah, so I'm going to plug a couple of other initiatives, Go too. Go for it. Um, so Startup Grind, startupgrind.com yeah. is the primary website, has all the global information up there. You can find Columbus off of, of, off of the site. Couple of other initiatives. IC Stars is a nonprofit um, that we're launching in Columbus. It's a, that's a digital skills and, and leadership development program that's been running in Chicago for over a decade. Um, our launch event is is coming up, so um, check out IC Stars, icstars.org mm-hmm. um, for information on that program. Um, Black Hack is another initiative that I'm involved in. A couple of young black entrepreneurs approached me last fall and said there isn't enough diversity in the the startup tech space. We'd like to do a monthly event, you know, to try to correct that and to try to begin begin to bridge that gap. So, um, there, I'm just I'm really helping them. You know, they're mm-hmm. really the drivers of it. But it's, I think it's an important initiative because. Um, it's true. Uh, diversity in the tech startup space is pretty woeful, and we've got to create more opportunities for access and involvement f- for more more people of different uh, races and ethnicities, um, and um, and more women too. Um, so you can find me on Twitter um, at Ryan Frederick, all one word. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn. And our site for AWH is awh.net. Ryan Frederick of AWH, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Very insightful. I feel like this has kind of been almost like a capstone episode where we just talk about all all of entrepreneurship in one episode, kind of wrapping it all up with some very broad themes. So sometimes I think you need to do that, and I'm glad we did it today. So thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks, Dan. And thank you for listening to CBuzz, our audience. If you love our show, please make sure you drop us a rating or review on iTunes. We've been reading your feedback. Thank you so much for all those five stars reviews. It means so much to us to hear from you, and and we we wanna hear from you. And tell us what you think about the show and and what you like and what you'd like to hear more about. So uh, we we welcome that feedback, and we'd love to hear more from you. Uh, Signing off for CBuzz, I'm Dan Swartout. CBuzz is a collaboration between the Columbus Chamber, CD1025, and the Columbus Dispatch. CBuzz is produced by Delara Casey, engineering by Mark Pasternak from Jump Goat Media, and the recording studio provided by our good friends here at Grooveview. Thank you to our partners, and thanks most of all to you 
for listening to CBuzz. On behalf of Ryan Frederick, on behalf of our partners, on behalf of everyone involved on the CBuzz team, we thank you so much and we will catch you next time.